Today's episode of the Ringside Rant is dedicated to the career, the life of Mr. Tracy Smothers, who passed away last week at the very young age of 58 after his battle with cancer. May you rest in power. Today's episode of the Ringside Rant is presented by Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is a transformative way to work out. Sweat Connected has a mission to help you feel your best. Each expert instructor brings their signature method directly to you wherever you are in the world via Zoom. When you take a Sweat Connected class, you are able to interact with your instructor and the other participants in class just like you would in a live studio experience. Whether you have been a group fitness participant for years or are newer, you will feel at home with Sweat Connected. Sweat Connected is exclusively offering my listeners 50% off their first class by going to sweatconnected.com slash pod that's the code p-o-d at sweatconnected.com slash pod p-o-d for 50% off your first class sweat connected for all levels all ages all sizes and all humans Do you like wine? Do you like charities? With One Hope Wine, you can do both. One Hope is an award-winning company in California that is built on hope and rooted in purpose. Go to jenandcamsonehope.com or jenandcamsonehope on Instagram for more information. One Hope Wine. Changing the world never tasted so good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Ringside Rant and welcome to Ranters Nation. I have the honor of having on uh, a man that I've been following quite a long time here in the Rochester area. He is a uh, the Bills guy in my eyes. Uh, if you're a Buffalo sports fan, he is Sal Mariano. Sal, how you doing tonight? Good, Andrew. How are you doing? Uh, you know, hanging out. Looking forward to this big weekend with uh, with the Bills game coming up against the Patriots. Hopefully, uh, you know, for the first time in a long time, the Bills look like they're a legit uh, contender against the Pats. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the first time in 20 years they're the better team. <laughs> and there's yeah. really not much doubt about it. Um, you know, they've got matchups all over the place against New England this year. Um, uh, for obvious reasons, too. The Patriots have had um, <laughs> a rough offseason, losing Tom Brady. They had a bunch of guys opt out from COVID. They've had injuries. So it isn't the same roster that Bill Belichick's used to having. And in the meantime, the Bills have built a pretty nice team here 
And I, again, I, there's no excuse this Sunday for the Bills. They should start having the torch passing <laughs> at Empty Bills Stadium. And, um, you know, we'll see where it happens. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, we, we've seen that at least at the Bills. At, uh, I'll, I'll call it the – it'll always be a rich stadium to me. <laughs> Growing up out there, it's always be a rich stadium. But um, just the way that the current climate is with this whole COVID thing and not everybody's allowed in the stands, you know, what, where do you stand on that? Do you see – do you like these teams that are having fans in the stands? Are you basically saying, hey, no, nobody? No, I mean, it should be the same for everybody. I think the NFL – kind of drop the ball on this. I mean, it's not up to, it shouldn't be up to the individual teams, obviously. It's up to state governments. And if one if one team can't have it, I'm not quite sure why they're allowing other teams to have it. Well, I know why they're doing it, but it, they shouldn't be doing it. It's all about money. And, you know, the, the other, the visiting teams are getting a cut of whatever that gate is. So the NFL owners um, are obviously saying, okay, fine. If we can have fans, we'll have fans. But I can tell you that it, to me, it just doesn't seem fair that some places get to have fans, others don't. Now, that being said, are the fans making a difference at these games? No, absolutely not. A sold-out stadium, as opposed to seven or 8,000 people, it's a totally different thing. There's no home field advantage given, with, you know, given the crowd and the noise. So it's not a big deal there. But to me, it should be all the same. It should be a uniform policy, just like it was in baseball. And the NFL has chosen not to do that because the NFL is all about the almighty dollar. Yeah, that's pretty much what it's come down to. I know a lot of friends and I talk about it, whether it be in a smaller market like Buffalo or in your bigger markets down in New York City and out west. But I just, I'm just i in the same boat where I think it should be universal for everybody like it was for baseball. Uh, you know, we'll transition to that. You know, being, you know, both of us being big Yankee fans, it was tough for me not seeing the Yankees in the series, unfortunately. Um would have loved to see that Yankees Dodgers thing that we've been clamoring at for years, but uh, overall thought with the baseball season, obviously being shortened that it was, uh, we saw, you know, we saw a young team in there with Tampa Bay going up against the almighty LA Dodgers. Yeah. Um, you're a Yankee fan as well as I am. So I really don't have any love for the Tampa Bay Rays. I can't stand them. <laughs> um, they have been a thorn in the Yankee side now for a few years but quite frankly, I mean, I'm no Dodgers fan, and it's not like I'm rooting for IBM and, you know, the big company here. But I was glad that, that the Dodgers won, if for no other reason that, you know, the inventors of, well, I'll call it the pitching lunacy that has taken over baseball started with Tampa Bay. So I'm glad to see that that failed in the World Series. Now, that being said, the Dodgers are as guilty of it, I guess, as anybody and it just so happens that their GM used to be the GM in Tampa, which is probably part of the reason. But, you know, I don't like the way Tampa Bay plays the game, uh, the way they make their moves, the way they, you know, do things with the pitching, how they've changed everything about the game with all their analytics. So I'm glad they lost. But baseball is my favorite game. It's not even close, but it's also the most broken game there is. Of the four major sports, baseball is hopelessly broken right now. And I'm just not sure how they're going to fix it. Do you think it's just broken from the top down, or is it pretty much a collective of everything? Everything. From the GMs to the managers to the players, uh, I think the entire game is basically a shit show. It really, it's, it's disgusting to me how the game has changed. I hate the way these teams, you know, build their teams with a bunch of – it's basically a bunch of utility players, right, 
bullpenning. Just the, I, just, I just can't stand how the game is devolved from a pitching aspect. And then the way the players play the game is really disturbing to me. I mean, the swing for the fences mentality, uh, striking out, nobody cares about it. You can't move runners. Uh, and I'm not old school in terms of, yeah, I want to see bunts all day. I don't want to see bunts ever. I think it's the stupidest strategy in baseball. But I don't want to see guys just swing for the fences and not play smart baseball. And these players today, I don't think, play smart baseball. Base running has never been worse. Fundamentals have never been worse in baseball. You know, I just I, – I hate – and then it takes so long to play the game because every player has to go through his mental process on every pitch. And it just turns what should be a two-and-a-half-hour game into a four-hour marathon every night. And it really – again, I watch the Yankees every night, and they drive me crazy because they play the same way. Everything takes so long. And to me, the game – like I said, the game is broken. And there's so many things that Rob Manford needs to do I don't think it'll ever get accomplished, but he could at least maybe try. Yeah. When did um, when was your like golden era? I guess we could say of professional baseball. Are we talking like eighties? Are we talking like early nineties? Uh, I'm, I'm fifty eight years old, so I you know I'm I'm back into the seventies. Okay. I started I first started watching baseball a lot, probably around nineteen seventy seventy one two in that area. And then the Yankees teams, you know, the 77, 78 teams are what really hooked me in. And I've been a huge baseball fan ever since. So yeah, I go back quite a ways. I'm much older than you. Um, so I, I remember when the game used to be played the way baseball was meant to be played. You know, when a pitcher would throw a pitch and he'd literally be going back to the rubber to take the ball from the catcher, get the sign, and throw it right back to him within seven or eight seconds. That's how the game used to be played. The batter stayed in the box, even if he fouled the pitch off. They, they, they didn't take the stroll to regain his composure and fix his batting gloves and his everything else. They stayed in the box. You swung the bat, you played the game. And we've gotten so far away from that. It's, it's, when it takes 30 to 35 seconds per pitch, the game is broken. And again, I, unless these players – are going to collectively change how they do things, which they're never going to do, then we're, we're stuck with this. This is the game that we're stuck with now. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate because you said, like, especially with the NFL, they become affected by the almighty dollar. And you're starting to see a lot of these other sports really start to, you know, not get close to that, but really stay, take uniform with that. And I'm like, it's, it's just not – it's not what it used to be, you know. And, it, and it, like you said, it's maddening trying to figure it out. Yeah. Now, the way that the COVID is now, obviously, Bills Mafia is huge. Like, it has an entity of its own. Uh, do you really think that you know the the Bills team are really missing the fans there, or do they? Do you think they're just kind of just playing to play? Well, obviously, they miss the fans. I mean, of, of all the sports. I think, you know, fans in football make the biggest difference, right? I mean, they can impact the game the most when you're at the home team and you make noise and it makes it difficult for the offense to call signals. And there's a lot of emotion, obviously. It's the most emotional game of, of, the, of the major sports, I would say. So they do miss the fans. They miss the energy in the stadium. But that being said, quite frankly, I'm watching these games, whether I'm at the stadium for the home games or, you know, now I've got to cover – the road games on TV, which is quite a new thing for me, uh, not being at the stadium on the road, the game looks the same. I mean, th nothing looks different about the way 
football is being played. And if you're watching the game on TV, doesn't look any different to you, does it? Mm-hmm. The only time you see fans is when the camera pans to see some knucklehead drunk, right? I mean, that's the only time you see fans on TV. The actual way the game is filmed looks exactly the same whether there's fans there or not. And I think TV has actually done a pretty good job with, you know, how they've piped in the crowd noise. I don't think it feels forced. I think it sounds pretty realistic. Actually, at the stadium, it sounds much weirder. It sounds way better on TV than it does at the stadium. I can tell you that. So they're doing a good job on TV. And I don't think really the game looks all that different. But, yeah, when you ask about fans in the stands, the emotion, the emotion of football, um, these guys do play off of that. So I think they miss it. I think in basketball and, well, certainly baseball, I don't think the players miss the fans in baseball at all. Maybe in hockey a little bit. That's also a very, you know, energetic, um, emotional game. But I think, I think what we saw so far, RJ, since we've gotten back to playing sports, the players have their motivation, right? They, they really – I mean, it's great to have the fans there, but these guys have enough compat- or competitive nature and want to win and all that stuff that, you know, they can live without the fans. It's be nice to have them there, but the games go on, and I don't think we've noticed – any difference have you no I mean, I I the nba playoffs the hockey play nothing looked different everybody was playing to win trying to kill each other it was the same game hmm. one thing that it did have i have noticed especially with the nfl recently is all this rash of injuries that we've seen you know we've seen you know you know guys like christian mccaffrey go down early that you know and then he's he's allegedly was supposed to come back this week but he wasn't clear from what i saw um by the deadline do you think that the no preseason you know played a factor in some of these major injuries no i don't think so i don't think there's been any more injuries than we normally would have had in a regular season i mean everybody gets hurt right guys are guys in football are going to get hurt i don't think the numbers have spiked at all and in the, the the number of guys that i've talked to in the bills locker room they were okay with not playing preseason games I mean, they actually feel, you know, a little bit – it's less it's less wear and tear on your body, even though they don't play a lot in the preseason, the starters. But it was the, the offseason was completely null. Um, training camp was kind of truncated. So these guys actually go into the season feeling fresher than maybe they would have in a normal season. So I don't think that's the case. Like I said, injuries happen, especially in football. I don't think there's been a big spike, even, even though there wasn't a preseason. Now, with that being said, do you think that they should, you know, there's the normal four preseason games. Do you think they should knock that – seeing if, quote-unquote, back to normal next year, whatever the case may be, do you think they should knock that down to two or just wipe it out completely? No, I think they need to play some preseason games. Every coach would tell you that. Yeah. Um, the, it, the preseason games, it's not about – I mean, they'll, t- they'll tell you it's how they determine the last few spots on the roster. That's partially true. But really what the preseason games do is they allow these teams to go through all of their process, right? How they do things on game day. It's basically, it's like a, if you're in a play, you know, it's like dress rehearsal. So I think, I think they did miss that aspect of it. Um, I think they want them to play preseason games. And like I said, even though by the time you play preseason games, 90% of your roster is probably figured out anyways. You're just figuring out the last few guys for special teams. So I think they are important. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that anybody wants the, the preseason to get wiped away. I would cut it back, though. I mean, two games to me is, is more than enough. They were talking about doing three when they add the 17th game. 
I think they should do two and add the 17th game. Right. Yeah, that makes more sense to me too. Now, you know, with the Bills starting off so hot, as hot as they did, obviously they've, you know, cooled off quite a bit these last two games. Um, do you think they're still on track to take this AFC East division? Or do you think that they're kind of just kind of laying the weeds? No, I mean, it's, they're the best team in the division. I mean, they've, they're five and two. They should get to six and two on Sunday. They've got the best roster. I mean, New England, like I said, is down this year. And Miami is, Miami is an improving team. Miami will be – I don't think that Miami will get there this year. Um, I, they feel like a, an eight-and-eight eight type of team. I don't think that gets that last playoff spot, especially in the AFC, which is really good this year. But they're a team on the rise. But I think Buffalo um, – Buffalo has the best roster. The, the, the issue for, for the Bills is going to be the schedule gets very difficult. The second half of the season – I mean, it's hard to believe that I'm saying – that the Patriots really shouldn't be all that much of a challenge. I think the Bills should beat the, the Patriots. Um, I think it's going to be a closer game than some people think, but they should beat that team. Going into the second half of the season, there's going to be teams that the Bills are playing who I don't think they're going to beat. I don't think they have any chance to beat. I don't think they're going to beat Seattle. I don't think they're going to beat Pittsburgh. They're probably not going to beat the 49ers. They may not beat the Cardinals. So that's four losses right there if I'm right. So it's not going to be a cakewalk to win the division. But in the end, they should win it. Yeah, we've seen a lot, like we mentioned before, with, with, especially with Major League Baseball, we've seen a lot of COVID cases. Uh, we've seen a few in the NFL. Um, not as many, obviously, with baseball. Um, do you think they even stand a chance to, you know, really have a team like, you know, like uh, Miami in baseball, where they basically had a whole – shut down the whole facility? Um, do you think we're going to have any more cases like that in the NFL? Well, I have no clue. I mean, yeah. it's possible, though. I mean, we're seeing the numbers right now. They're spiking all over the country. So this thing's not going away. I mean, it's, this virus is here for a while, certainly until we have a vaccine. And even when they get the vaccine, they're telling us that, you know, by the time you and I get it, for instance, it could be midway through next year. You know, there's going to be a priority who's going to get the vaccine. And I'm thinking priority is not going to be professional sports teams, right? right. Healthy, healthy right. young athletes aren't going to be getting it first. So this thing is here for a while, and for all we know, it could go. It could run through a locker room. We've already seen it happen with Tennessee. They had almost 20 cases. I mean, that happened. There's no reason to believe that it wouldn't happen again. The NFL is doing all they can, but the NFL is not playing in a bubble. You know, the NBA, NHL playoffs, they were in that bubble. They did a great job. Baseball playoffs were in a bubble, and they did a good job there until the very end there with Justin Turner. Football's not in a bubble. These guys are out and about. They're going home to their families. Their kids are going to school. I think it's in most places, not all places, but in most places. So it could very easily happen in the NFL where a team gets shut down. Yeah, do you, you see this, you know, they mentioned, especially with professional hockey and, and basketball, where they're starting to even attempt to come back again or as early as I think they said January 1st. Um, with hockey is do you think that that's going to be even feasible at this point seeing like you mentioned the outbreaks in Tennessee the outbreaks at the end of the baseball season um, do you think they're going to go back into a bubble like up in Toronto um, well, I don't know a bubble would be awful difficult if you're talking about all what is it, 31 teams now in the NHL I think yeah. 31 or 32 yeah. it'd be awful tough to, to figure yeah. out the schedule to put them all in one place um, well, the AHL just said, right, didn't the Amherst just announce it's like February 
fifth they're not going to play until then. Right. I've yeah. actually got a, a relative that is one of the trainers for the Sabres, and he was hearing that the NHL might be pushed back to about February too. Um, it's going to be tough. There, there's not going to be able to be fans in the stands. Right. I mean, I just there's going to be a lot of places in the NHL where they're not going to allow fans in the stands yet, and that that becomes an expensive proposition for the owners. They've already lost a lot of money. Mm. So I don't know if they're going to want to jump into a, a new season again with no fans in the stands and taking those losses. I think it's going to be, be pretty tough. They should probably – I think they, if they were smart, they would sit back a little bit and see how this thing plays out. Yeah, especially take it through the winter at least, especially with with the minor leagues, like with the uh, with the Red Wings too, kind of take the winter to kind of figure out what game plan you want to do if you're going to come back you know, as early as they want. Uh, do you really see the uh, minor league baseball really coming back next year, or do you think it's going to – Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. I mean, baseball has, you know, has the um, advantage now maybe of time because they're not going to be playing until, you know, well, if they start the regular season on time, April. So they've got the advantage of time here, but – I, I have no clue. I mean, I, <laughs> this virus, nobody can, nobody can predict what it's going to do. And as I said, until they've got a vaccine and people are safe, it wouldn't make any sense to, to, to start opening business up again and putting fans in the stands. Hmm. Now you got a podcast called sales speaks. Um, you know, briefly tell my listeners, you know, what that does that basically entail all your uh, comings and goings with the bills or sports in general, just kind of like a, Daily yeah, thing. I, mean, I don't, I'll be honest with you, I don't put a whole lot of time and effort into it. It's just another thing I do. It doesn't really impact uh, my job at all. But I do a Bills podcast every Monday. And then during the Yankee season, I had a I had a local guy in Rochester who came on with me and we did once a week kind of a Yankees review and preview type of thing. So I don't do a whole lot with the podcast. I do a lot more with my own website. That's where I put all my energy outside of my, the job at the DNC. Now, how was you? You mentioned that you're doing a lot of the road games from home. How is that? You know, basically taken away from you know you're so used to going to the whole away games. You're so used to going to the stadium. How has that really you know affected you as far as you know whether it be like the stuff the stuff you put out, the reports you put out, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it doesn't affect anything that I write. Um, yeah. It just sucks not being there. I mean, yeah. the whole season has sucked. You know, we've had to do everything by Zoom call. You, know, you go to the home games, you sit in the press box, you can't, you can't go anywhere. We still don't have locker room access. You just go back and turn, get on your computer and do Zoom calls just like I'm doing all week long. So that really is, is, a, is a crappy way to cover a team. You just can't, you know, and it sucks for the fans too because, you know, we get the same guys on Zoom every day. The whole press corps is basically getting the same guys. So you're, you're reading and listening to the same sound bites that everybody else is getting. There's not a whole lot of fresh material out there. It's just no way to, it's no way to cover a team, but yeah, covering the games from my living room is not ideal. Mm. Um, you know, watching it on TV, I, you just want to be there. You just feel like you're more a part of it when you're covering the game in the stadium. And then obviously, like I said, when you're at the stadium, you get to go in the locker room. That's what matters is being in the locker room. That's the whole key to the job. And we don't have that anymore. So that's, that's the worst part about it. Yeah. Plus, I have Spectrum streaming, and it's been really unreliable. <laughs> On Sunday afternoons, I've had some major problems with buffering and 
and pause screen. And yeah, so it's, you know, I've got a 40 second delay. So every time I tweet, I'm like behind the action. So it's been very, very frustrating to tell you the truth. Yeah. I've seen many of those tweets online and I'm like, I, I thought I was the only one that was being like maddening to me. I'm sitting there and I see a pass and it's like, and it's buffering. I'm like, what the hell? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> I, mean, I cut the cord a couple of years ago and now you pay the price. I mean, yeah. save it the money, but you know, I, you know when, when cable was working properly, it's, it works. Yeah. And streaming, streaming can be an issue sometimes. Yeah, it was so weird watching Yankees games, at least earlier on there, and watching Paul O'Neill and uh, Michael Kay. They were calling, I think it was the Mets series, they were calling the Mets series from Yankee Stadium, and it was in Flushing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, they did all the They did all the road games. They just do it right from Yankee Stadium because yeah. yeah. they weren't allowed to travel either. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's just I'm like it's gonna take some getting used to, obviously, with everything that's uh, with, that's been going on, whether well, whatever sport you're a fan of, regardless. But um, one of my loyal listeners um, wanted me to ask you, you know, when we think about the Bills, we always think about you know those four year, four years there, four Super Bowl losses. Um, but putting a positive turn on it, what has been some of your uh, uh, favorite positive Bills moments and since you've been covering the team? Oh, well, there's, there was plenty. I mean, my first four, my first four years were the Super Bowl years. I mean, I started my, my Bills coverage career in 1990. So I went to the Super Bowl the first four years on the beat, which I can promise you is the first time that's ever happened for a, for a sports writer because no other team has gone to the Super Bowl four years in a row, and it happened to be my first four years. So, yeah, there were great memories back then. Um, you know, not so many lately, obviously, but yeah, I mean, there's been, there's so many, there is countless good memories. Um, you know, number one was the, to me, was the, a, the first AFC championship game. I mean, everyone points to the comeback game as the most amazing game. Sure. And it was, but for me, um, you know, for somebody who was born in Buffalo, was a Bills fan when I was a kid to, to be there for that day when they you know, killed the Raiders, 51 to three to get to the first Super Bowl. That was kind of the highlight, I think, for a lot of Bills fans. I mean, you know, not even the Super Bowl so much, but winning that game was amazing. And then they went and won three more of those to get to the Super Bowl. Um, the comeback game, you know, will live in infamy forever. You know, I'll never forget that day. We were writing their epitaph up in the press box. It was 35 to three early in the third quarter. And I'm already writing the story of how the Bills dynasty is over. You know, they went to two Super Bowls, they're done. And then, you know, the miracle of miracles happened. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of good memories from those, from those Kelly, Thurman Thomas, uh, you know, Bruce Smith teams for sure. Yeah, because I grew up, I'm, uh, I'm from outside, I'm from Clarence originally, actually, uh, before I moved out here to Rochester. And looking at, with my eight-year-old son now, looking at the watching he's watching me watch the bills games and he's like dang why why do you watch these bills games if they always make you mad <laughs> i said well you know, bud when i grew up when i was your age and one of those things when i was your age um you know i grew up doing those in the 90s those those positive those bills teams that you know like you said just took over and he's like Oh, okay. And he just walks away. I'm like, well, there you go. There's a, <laughs> from an eight year old, but that's with a lot of these, you know, we're starting to see a lot of the older bills fans that, you know, really want to get back to that, 
the glory days. And uh, I, I just really think I've always been a fan of Josh Allen. It's just a matter of, okay, is he, it's always been that topic. Is he the guy? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, uh, simple enough. Is he that guy for you? Is he that guy to take, obviously you can't compare him to Jim Kelly. No, you can't com compare anybody to Jim Kelly, obviously. But do you think he can take this franchise to that promised land once again? Well, yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's got the skill set to do it. He's a, you know, he's definitely a, a Buffalo guy, which I guess matters to Bills fans. It doesn't really matter to me too much, but it matters <laughs> to Bills fans. They've taken him and they've embraced him. Um, and he has shown improvement, which is good. I mean, you know, this is his third year now. He was supposed to be showing improvement. And the good news is he has. Um, so I think they have a chance. I think they've got the right people in place there with McDermott and Brandon Bean. I think they've done a great job turning the franchise around. I think they're smart guys. They know, they know how to build a football team. McDermott, you know, you, we tease them a lot about process and culture, but there's something to that. I mean, you know, it, it, there really is something to that. Um, so I think, they, I think they've got a chance as long as they keep the pieces around him in place and add to it when they need to, sure. I think he's, you know, he's on the way. He's not anywhere close to being a finished product. People have to understand those first four games were great, but now you've seen the last three, which proves he's not there yet. There's still a lot to his game that he has to improve, but there's a nice foundation that's being built with Josh Allen. And I do feel like they finally got the quarterback right. Maybe I'll be wrong, but we'll see. I think, I think he's headed in that direction. Another topic that we've always, you know, always been on the back of Bill's minds is, you know, what about the stadium? It's all the stadium and one of the oldest stadiums in the, in the league, you know, they constantly do upgrades. They do this, they do that. They want to get that new stadium. Um, do you ever see, do you see that happening in the near future? They mentioned, you know, downtown Buffalo, riverfront, all that stuff, obviously with the Pagula family. Uh, being owned into the Sabres too, it would make the most sense to have it downtown. But you know, do you see that even feasibly being able to happen? Well, I, I've always been anti-new stadium. I, I just, I, I don't know. The problem, the problem I've always had with building a two to three billion dollar palace, whatever it's going to cost, is how are you going to sustain that stadium once it's built? Right? Bills mm -hmm. fans have. I, I, I'm not sure they have any idea how good they actually have it when it comes to ticket prices, parking prices concessions, sweet prices, all of that stuff is ridiculously low compared to other places. But then again, these other places also have, you know, not just fan bases, but population bases, business bases that can cover the cost of that stadium. Are, are Bills fans going to want to pay three times the ticket price to go to a new stadium? Are there enough companies in Western New York that are going to pay three or four times what suites probably cost right now, I've never believed that's possible, which is why I've always said that stadium right now is still a great stadium. I don't care what anybody says. You go to that stadium, it's a great stadium to watch a game in, and you can do things to bring it up to snuff. But to me, building a new stadium would be probably detrimental to the fan base. I, that's really how I feel about it. And if they are going to build it, they damn better well build it in Orchard Park. I think if they move it downtown, that would be a colossal mistake. Yeah, there's not really – I'm sure they could find it. away from that aspect, yeah. uh, I think it would be a colossal mistake to go downtown. 
Yeah, and like I said, there's not really a lot of room down there. You know, saying, oh, there's got to be room. Well, we got to gotta make sure that, you know, there's enough room down there for a lot of things. But um, from, one, from one end of the spectrum to another with the stadiums, you know, being a Yankees fan that we are, you know, you see the, you know, the new Yankee Stadium. So we used to the old Yankee Stadium. So, um, but to get this team, you know, back to the prom- prominence, even more so than this year, you know, I've always been a consummate on the pitching staff. Um, do you th- you think they're going to be pulling people up? You know, obviously with the minors not playing this year, that may be difficult. But do you really see see them making a splash with uh, to improve this rotation? Well, I mean, the Yankees are always going to be able to spend money, even yeah. in a year when they're losing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars because of COVID. You know, they do kind of have an endless pot in, in New York. So I would think that they're going to make some moves that they feel are necessary. But I don't think you're going to see a $300 Garrett Cole type of contract this year. I don't see that happening. Um, but they've got, some, they've got some things they have to do. They're going to lose Tanaka and Paxton almost for sure. Jay Happ, they've already declined the option. So there's three-fifths of your, of your rotation that's gone. Um, you're not going to get Severino back until they're saying midsummer if everything stays on schedule. So they've got to start filling some places. And I don't know that they've got um, – <laughs> I'm not sure they have enough in the system, high-end uh, talent in the system to get through. Montgomery is more, no more than a four or five. Davey Garcia, we don't know. I mean, he, he looked good in some – spots but he's still a young kid can you count on him Clark Schmidt we have no idea what he's all about yet we didn't see him pitch so they've got some moves that they're going to have to make for sure do you see Major League Baseball in general really be making a lot more rules change going into this coming year um, hopefully whenever that is uh, just obviously we've seen especially the minor leagues we've seen that sh- shot clock so to speak with uh, with pitching do you think they're really going to implement that into the majors, are they, are they just going to say, okay, let's keep it straight line and straight and narrow and see what happens this coming year? Well, I mean, I would love to see a pitch clock, and I think, I think they have talked about eventually doing that. I think it would help a little bit. I mean, it's not going to solve all the problems, but I think it will definitely help a little bit in the pace of the game. So at some point, I'd like to see it. Um, I think they should, they should make sure the DH – Stays in the National League. There's no reason to go back now. Did anybody miss pitchers hitting? I mean, I don't care who you are or how old you are, how much of a National League fan you were. You, there's nobody on the planet, as far as I'm concerned, that really wants to watch a pitcher bat. And you can talk all you want about double switches and bunting and strategy. I think it's all a bunch of BS. Just put the D, the DH is used in every level of baseball, everywhere around the world except the National League. So just keep it. You've already seen it now, and let's, let's leave it that way. I would continue with the three-batter minimum, although I don't think it really mattered too much as far as uh, time of game. We saw Dave Roberts making mid-inning pitching changes the whole World Series, driving the whole country crazy doing that. So I think it's fine, but I don't think it really mattered too much. Um, and the other thing is that the 10th inning rule, call me crazy, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love starting the runner at second base. Yeah. Nobody on earth wants to watch a game into the 15th inning. And that was a way where I don't, I don't think there was one, I think one game made it to the 13th inning this year. I think if I, I think I'm right on that. Yeah. Every game was decided usually in the 10th or 11th inning. I think it's great. It added excitement 
you instantly got a scoring chance when the inning starts. I hope they keep it. I really do. Yeah, it was funny watching games here when we had games here in Rochester with the Red Wings. You know, I used to – I took my son. We'd go to about six games a year, and we'd always – it was always a chore to get him to last a full game. But he's sure. so he'd, always, he'd always make it, though, for whatever reason. He'd, you know, it'd be like 60 trips to the bathroom and to concessions and all that stuff. But regardless, you never sit there. But they implemented that shot – or the shot clock, we'll call it, for this last – for this past season that they actually played. Uh, I thought I liked it. You know, I mean, it speeds up that game. You know, like you mentioned, I'm a favor of the tenth inning rule as well. Yeah, I mean the pitch clock, it it helps speed up the game. But you know, once the runners get on base, everything goes back to you know the way it always is, and that's when the time drag starts. So, but but I do think I do think it would help shave. You know, whether it's four or five minutes off a game, hey, four or five minutes is still four or five minutes. But there's so many other things that they need to do to change pace of play. And like I said, the problem is that it's the players. It's the players that have created this situation. Everyone's got a mental coach, right? Everyone's got to go through their process. And I I don't understand why there's nobody on base. Why is the pitcher need like 15 seconds to stare at the catcher given the sign? Like, what the hell are you doing? There's nobody that's going to steal the sign. Give the sign and let's go. And yet they stare they sit there, they wait, and then if they're not ready to pitch, they just continue to stare until the batter calls time or vice versa. Yeah. It's, I'm telling you, I love baseball. I'm the biggest baseball fan in the world. The game is broken. It is horrible the way the game is played today. Do you think we're going to see another surprise team coming up uh, through the ranks next year to get to the series, uh, a la like a, like a Tampa Bay that you know really wasn't as well um, – well, I, I honestly, they really weren't that that much of a surprise. They're a good team. As much as I hate to admit it, that's a good team. So I wasn't at all surprised that they won the AL East and then you know made it to the to the World Series. So I, I wouldn't consider them a surprise. I think it's much tougher in baseball to get the surprise team. Baseball was a top heavy sport, and the best teams that spend the most money, the rich teams are usually the ones that get to the promised land. So, no, I don't – you know, the little Oakland A's, <laughs> the Minnesota Twins, I, no, I don't see that happening. I really don't. Uh, you know, obviously to close up shop tonight, to wind down a little bit, you know, looking at this Bills season, the rest of the season, you know, like you said, there's a lot of, you know, big games coming up where they could, they could not, you know. Where do you see this Bills team ending up, you know, push comes to shove, you know, Week 16, you see them, you know, obviously we both agree that they're going to win the division. Um, how many? How are they going to be looking going into this playoffs? Well, I, I again, I think it's going to be a tough, tough ask to get to 10 wins. I, I really do. and that should, But that should be enough to win the division. Nine might be enough to win the AFC East. Um, but once they get to the playoffs, who are they going to be favored against in the playoffs? I mean, think about that for a second, right? Yeah. Who? Steelers, Titans, Ravens, Chiefs? No, no way. They're not beating any of those four teams. Who's left? The Colts, the Browns, if they if they meet them somewhere in the first round, probably. Yeah, they'll probably be favored against those teams. But you tell me. I mean, if they get stuck playing Baltimore in the first round, are they beating Baltimore in Baltimore? Probably not. Steelers? No way. I think the Steelers are the best team in the NFL right now. So no, I don't I don't have high hopes that the Bills, you know, we all talked about, it wasn't just about winning the division for the Bills this year. They need to start winning playoff games. They've been there twice 
under McDermott, and they've lost, really, I mean, the first year against Jacksonville, that Bills team wasn't that good. So I, that was, I understood losing that game. Last year was a joke. <laughs> How they blew that game was an absolute joke, losing to Houston. So the expectation was, yeah, get to the playoffs, but you need to win a round or two. Well, looking at the, the Bills team right now and who they're going to have to face, because the AFC is really good, I don't see a playoff run for the Bills. I see them getting there. I see them probably winning the division, but I'm not sure they're going to win a game. I, I would be maybe surprised if they won a game in the playoffs, let alone two. You know, with that being said, do you think if this continues to be, you know, a pattern, you know, doing well during the season, getting the playoffs and losing, do you think McDermott is really on that hot seat? Or do you think they're going to they're gonna ride, ride him out? Well, there's no way. They love him. I mean, yeah. they just gave him a new five-year extension. <laughs> so he's not going anywhere for a long time, believe me. He's, uh, he's pretty solid in the job, and so is Bean. They haven't given Bean the extension yet, but they're going to. Yeah. So, no, they like what they have there. The Pagulas have seen what a mess they've made of the Sabres and not finding the right coach and GM combination for years and years. They, they've, they fumbled the first couple times uh, with the Bills. So they've got two guys in place. Those guys are, those guys are as, as safe as maybe any tandem in football right now. All right, excellent. So, you know, lastly, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule. I know it's a busy week for you leading up to this Bills game. Um, just plug what you got, plug ways people can get a hold of you, you know, to follow you online, uh, subscribe to a bunch of your uh, websites and uh, the DNC as well. Yeah, I mean, everybody can read me in the DNC every day, the, the paper or the online site, obviously. And then um, Sal Mayorana is my Twitter handle. So people can follow me there, and I'm sure they'll be entertained on, on Bill's case. <laughs> we seem to have a good time with, with Twitter, uh, you know, the cesspool of the world of Twitter that it can be, but it can be fun. And then I've got my own website, salmayorana.com. It's devoted just to sports history. So I do uh, all sports, but it's all history, um, you know, from, from my old time and from time before that, too. So I really enjoy it. It's kind of my, my hobby, really. It's not anything I make money on. It's just a hobby. And um, it's a membership thing. It's free. And people can go to the site and join. And we have a, we have a good time there. Well, Sal, thank you so much. I look forward to, uh, you know, following you on Sunday and uh, making sure I get those notifications going on and on and on. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the uh, time order won't buffer on you or spectrum, yes, excuse, yeah. spectrum, excuse me. Not. I, I, I'll get yelled at. I'm sure I'll probably get like a cease and desist order at my front door. <laughs> so, but thank you so much, Sal. All right, RJ. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.